the Not in the Mood podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Moody. Before we get into the subject matter for this week, I just want to say thank you to those of you who are listening and have been listening and continue to listen week in and week out. Uh, I've started to see some of the numbers as far as how many folks are listening uh, on a monthly basis to Not in the Mood with Daryl Moody. And I got to say, I'm first of all humbled uh, that that many of you actually want to hear what I have to say, so much so that more than 5,000 people listen to this podcast in the month of October. That's incredible, considering we really don't promote the podcast and I don't really talk about it on the air. But uh, obviously, you guys like what I'm doing and you're listening. So thank you. Uh, please continue to listen week in, week out. Share with your friends. Invite people to come check this out. Uh, like I said, we're kind of doing this organically. And I am amazed at the growth that we have seen. And I am inspired to take this thing and make it even bigger. So, uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling your friends about it. Please continue to do so. Okay, as for this week, we're going to talk about online dating. Why not, right? COVID-19, pandemic, nobody can meet anybody out in public. Everybody's doing everything virtually. And why not date virtually? It's there. And I'll tell you the truth. As somebody who was out of the dating scene for 10 years while I was married and starting a family, and for somebody who is now over the age of 40 and has found themselves thrust into this world of online dating, it's not for the faint of heart. And really, you know, when we're talking about these dating apps, let's talk about the dating apps. What's out there? You've got Tinder is probably the one most people know about. That's really just a hookup app. You've got Bumble is probably the most popular one. It's, uh, it's kind of more geared toward women because women get to make the first move. They're the ones who initiate contact. They're the ones who communicate with you first. So it's really the woman is in control of, of Bumble, and I kind of like that. Uh, there's also, I've tried Zoosk. I've tried Match.com. There's Plenty of Fish, which we'll talk more about later. Even the social networking apps are getting into it. Facebook has its own dating app now. So it's out there. And considering the fact that nobody goes out in public anymore... You know, you really can utilize this stuff to your advantage. Uh, and I'll tell you about my experience using it as a 41-year-old single dad trying to get back out there after 10 years. Uh, I've been dabbling in the apps now for about two years, and uh, I've had some success. Uh, ironically, I just got out of a nine-month relationship, so I'm now back out there again, or at least I will eventually be. I'm going to take a few weeks off and lick my wounds. But for my personal experience as a guy over 40 using these dating apps, I got to say for what they are, they're very useful. It's a great way to meet people. It's not a great way to get to know people, but it's a great way to introduce yourself to people. And I like to think of the apps basically as a great big mixer. You know, you've got the little tables for two and you've got people standing around talking and you basically walk into the, you know, we'll use Bumble as an example. You walk into Bumble and you basically see these women. And the funny thing about these apps, you know, they're all basically the same. They're all they're all based on superficiality and, and you know, do you find this person attractive? And that's really the first thing that you focus on. And that kind of makes sense, the law of attraction. You got to be attracted to somebody first. But when you really think about the way these apps work, they're pretty superficial. In my mind, I really think you should just put them all in one app and just call it would you. Would you? No. Would you? No. Would you? Yeah. Swipe right. See what I'm saying? And for what it is, these things work. They really do. And I have found in my experience meeting women on these apps, if you just don't be a scumbag, you're already 
head and shoulders above most of the competition. And that's because most guys, I won't say most guys, there's a large number of men out there who use these apps for the sole purpose of fishing for a sexual partner. And they'll strike up a conversation with somebody, then they'll take it offline, then, you know, within a day or two, they're sending you, you know, pornographic pictures, they're asking you to come over. I mean, I have heard all kinds of horror stories from women, and I'm not like that. So, you know, usually within talking to somebody a few times, they can kind of tell whether or not your sole motivation is getting laid or not. And I'll be honest, mine isn't in all this. So I have found that you can really get far with people just by not being a scumbag. But there are pitfalls out there. There are people who will use you. There are people who will lie to you. There will there are people who will present themselves one way, and then when you get to know them, they're another way. And then there's catfishing. Catfishing is where you pretend to be someone who you're really not. And then when you meet the person in person, it gets weird. So we're going to talk to a woman later uh, in our conversation who has lived this, experienced it, was a victim of catfishing, lost a boatload of money to somebody, and we're going to get her advice on what we should all be doing to protect ourselves moving forward. But back to my experience and the apps. Like I said, lots of challenges, lots of pitfalls, lots of things to look out for. Again, this is all based on physical attraction, and then you go from there. I, well, I guess there's uh, eHarmony, where they give you the personality test, and then they try to match you up with people who scored similarly on the personality test. And that's a good premise for a dating app, so long as everybody's honest. And most people aren't honest. So that presents its own challenges. Uh, again, back to the whole superficiality. Do you find this person attractive? Would you sleep with them? Would you not sleep with them? Swipe right if yes, swipe left or no. One thing you're going to find is that a lot of people don't really present themselves accurately. And I'm talking about headshots, where all you see is their face, and you don't really know what they look like till you meet them in person. And filters. Oh my God, these filters are out of control. And I guess it's Snapchat, which I don't use Snapchat, but I'm familiar enough with how it works that you can put filters on. And it's amazing. Decades of aging, gone. Blemishes on your skin, gone. Granted, the lines aren't clear, and you look like a cartoon character, but you look a lot younger. And when you're out there and all you have is, you know, three or four pictures, uh, you know, a 500-word or less bio, and that's what you're going to base whether or not you want to meet this person on, it's challenging. So you really have to be careful. I had one woman, you know, we started texting and then we were talking on the phone, really uh, hit it off really well. We had made plans to meet. We're going to go out for a date on a Saturday night. It's Friday night. And she's like, ah... Uh, I need to I need to video chat with you. I need to I need to video chat with you. And I was like, all right, I don't blame you. You probably want to make sure that I look like my pictures. That's smart. You can you can, you know, Google Duo or FaceTime with somebody before you meet them. You can do that. That's that's certainly good. But the way I look at these things, these apps, like I said, you're basically in a great big mixer. Okay. So you so you you swipe right on a bunch. Eventually somebody swipes right on you. There's a connection, you match. Uh, in the case of Bumble, she initiates the conversation. Most of the other apps, either one can initiate conversation. So now you're now you're chatting. Now you're texting. So in my mind, you're at the mixer. Now you're talking to somebody. You're chatting. If you like them, you move from chatting to talking on the phone. And you go, hey, can we take this offline and talk? 
So in my mind, now you've left the mixer and you're going to go to another bar or coffee shop or whatever. You're going to take that person out of the group dating situation, get them isolated, and now you're talking to them. And obviously you have a few conversations and if you like each other, you make plans to meet in person, you meet in person. And I always say, either there's a spark there or there is not. But in most cases, you don't get past chatting. You don't get past phone conversations because you figure out, you know, you may find them attractive. They may find you attractive. But when you get down to it, you don't really have anything to talk about. And you kind of, you know, you weed out the candidates that way. What can go wrong, though, is when you meet somebody and they tell you everything you want to hear up front. And you tell yourself, oh, my gosh, this person's amazing. And then you get to know them. And then the next thing you know, this person is in your life. And before you know it, this person is in your life and they're wreaking havoc. And I found someone who has experienced this firsthand. Her name is Rebecca D'Antonio. She was a victim of catfishing and actually lost a large sum of money to scam artists. And she's going to tell us her story now. Well, as is sometimes, I guess, pretty typical of... uh you know, when when you go out into the dating world, it's it's very different now than it used to be. And a friend of mine uh, had decided she was going to try online dating. So at the same time, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll try that, too. And um, I made a profile on OkCupid. And having been through a couple of really uh, poor relationships, I thought I was being smart in putting in my profile the, the, the things I would accept in a relationship, the things I wouldn't accept in a relationship. Uh, what I didn't know at the time, uh, because I didn't know romance scamming was a thing, uh, was that I was actually creating a, a kind of roadmap to avoid some of the, the flags you know, that, that would have been raised, um, as far as, you know, maybe this person isn't as, as wholesome as they seem. Uh, so, so that was my mistake, but again, it was born out of ignorance of not knowing that, you know, romance scamming was a thing because it's not widely talked about. And so when I um, created my profile, of course, I, I had received a, a number of responses, happened to connect with someone uh, who um, was a single parent of a five-year-old, or at least so I was told, uh, because, you know, I didn't know anything at the time, but I've, <laughs> I've learned a lot since that uh, the, the facade that was painted for me was not at all what was actually happening. And um, so this person and I had, you know, built a relationship over time. Uh, it did move rather quickly. Uh, and, you know, he wanted, you know, it was always like he would have very quickly had, you know, pet names for me, like, oh, my queen, my darling. You know, I, it didn't realize till, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty uh, that it was, you know, he didn't use my name a lot. And so um, I had, you know, developed this online relationship with this person and their son. And uh, they had gone on a trip uh, at one point and his credit card stopped working. He was traveling internationally. This was the story I was given. Uh, and I had had that happen to me before. 
so of course I understood and, you know, so of course he was kind of stuck and he was stuck with this kid. So here's the hook, you know, here's this child that is kind of caught up in this situation through no fault of their own. And, you know, I had asked all the reasonable questions. Well, is there someone else you can reach out to, you know, you know, it's interesting what you will rationalize your, to yourself based on their answers. And they're very skilled in the manipulation and what they say. So uh, I ended up sending uh, some money to, to help out, you know, to, to bring them back. But of course, you know, once, once you send that first bit of money, you know, things escalate rather quickly. And there was always another reason why, you know, another holdup, you know, and and for whatever, you know, the circumstance was, that holdup required more money. And, um, you know, there was always, of course, the promises, oh, well, when I get back, I'll pay you back. You know, I don't tell anybody, you know, that I'm borrowing money because I don't want to be embarrassed when meeting your friends. So they they very skillfully kind of isolate you and the situation from your outside circle. Like everybody in my inner circle, they knew about the relationship, but they didn't know that there was this sort of hidden dynamic. And, you know, to me, in my mind, I was like, well, you know what? Our, Our business is our own. And it seemed at the time to kind of make sense to me. Uh, and so that's kind of where it all began. So at what point did you realize that this guy was was bilking you for money? And, and how much did he get out of you before you realized what was going on? Well, as I said, you know, it, it's, in, it's interesting what you rationalize to yourself when you don't have the full context and the full picture of what's happening. And, um, you know... I, I, I did sometimes get an inkling that something wasn't quite right, but it wasn't enough of a, you know, sort of signal in the back of my brain that it, it didn't say you can't rationalize your, your own way out of this thought. And so he, in the end, he ended up, and I, you know, I say he, but it wasn't a he, it's a they. They work in groups uh, that... Uh, you know, he was not the only person I communicated with in the situation that he gave me. He had other associates, you know, from his work reach out to me. So it was a very, very involved thing. They really know what they're doing. And so in the end, I was about to be evicted from my apartment uh, before it all had started, before I had gotten into this dating game, I was, you know, the happiest I'd ever been. I was about to get into the housing market to buy a home, which was a a dream of mine, you know, lifelong dream. Uh, And by the end of it, I was feeling very suicidal because I didn't know what else to do. I felt desperate. I didn't know how to get out of the the, uh, situation I was in. Uh, I was about to be evicted. He got about six figures, you know, when you take into account the run of the credit cards and uh, you know, every basic, you know, financial asset I had. Um, and it was, it was like a financial and emotional rape. And, you know, he, he literally kind of took everything from me. And so I was, you know, not knowing, not thinking straight. I was thinking about suicide because I didn't see any other way out, which, you know, is both frustrating and saddening because I love life and I didn't want to leave, 
you know, everybody with a bunch of unanswered questions. And uh, so I didn't actually realize till the very, very end what had happened. Uh, You know, it was more, uh, I had no more money to give, which frustrated him. And I, you know, basically said to him in our last conversation, look, I'm desperate. I'm scared. You know, you have to come back here. You have to fix all this like you said you would. I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. And I'm not kidding. I really am thinking about suicide. I have pills and I just don't know what else to do. And uh, his response to that was, well, you have to do what you have to do. And it was at that point that, you know, what else can you say after that? I completely cut ties. Um, And I was having dinner with a very good, very close friend of mine one night, uh, about a week before I was supposed to commit suicide. And it was to be our last dinner. And uh, she, you know, she and I were talking and, you know, call it what you will, divine intervention, uh, uh, just happenstance, whatever. But we started talking and I just broke down sobbing in the middle of the restaurant and I basically word vomited her everything I could possibly get out of the situation and part of what keeps the victim silent is they're afraid of what other people's reactions are going to be they're afraid that you know people are going to be angry or think they're stupid and you know and so I was you know there was this long silence and she had never been that silent I mean I'm sure it wasn't more than a few seconds but it felt like an eternity and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for for the reaction I'm waiting for the anger and the judgment and all and you know just all this negativity to come flying my way and I felt it was justifiable um and she literally she just took my hands tightly in hers across the table looked me dead in the eye and said you know this isn't your fault right and I didn't know. And, and when she said that, it just, it made me feel even uh, more emotional. And she said, and she and I agreed that, you know, if any of, if either of us, she didn't make it about me. She said, if either of us ever gotten that low before where we were contemplating suicide, we would not do that. We would call each other. And she and I spent the rest of the evening figuring out a way out of, the situation I was in, which, uh, you know, it, it was her idea uh, to file bankruptcy. And because I was in such a fog, that really didn't occur to me as an option. Uh, I think more so because, you know, one, I was under this like veil of, oh my gosh, what the heck just happened. But also bankruptcy has with it its own stigma. So, you know, it was... It may have occurred to me at one point, but then it immediately went out of my head because like, well, I'm already going to be judged for this. So I don't want to be judged for that. Um, So it's been it's been quite a journey. (laughs) So how are you able to how are you able to sever ties with this with this scammer? I just I I cut cold turkey. Um, I, you know, blocked them from every mode of communication. I ended up changing my phone number. Uh, I ended up moving Um, just I a friend of mine had found uh, support groups uh, scam haters United uh, which helped me one to figure out that I was actually scammed Two that 
to help me sort of through the emotional toll of what happened. But they also tell you, step one, cut all the ties you've got with um, with your scammers. And because, you, you know, at that point, you're not just, you know, keeping yourself at risk, but you're also putting others at risk. So um, that's what I did. And I, I actually have, you know, kept all the the pieces of when I was scammed in case I ever, you know, any law enforcement agency ever came to me and said, you know, we want your help and, you know, tracking these people down, which is really hard because it's international and you have to deal with international laws, et cetera. But I kept it all. And, um, you know, I have it uh, just, you know, more or less as a reminder of, of, you know, what, what I have been through and how far I've come. I have, I've thought about writing about the experience because as there has not been uh, awareness so much, there also isn't a lot you know, of literature or of anything of, of what happens. So um, I am steadily, you know, working toward that. But at the same time, because, you know, this was such a, a large chunk of my life for a, a decent period of time over a year, um, it, it dredges a lot. So it's a little hard to be able to sit down and sort of bring it all back up again. But the reason why I do it is because, you know, it's a story that needs to be told. And, uh, you know, I do it as much as a preventative for people as I do it for the, those that have gone through it. We're not victims, we're survivors. And, you know, I, I have since rebuilt my life and it took a lot to do that, a lot of energy and effort. And, uh, but I've done it. And so I know it can be done. And so I, you know, I'm trying to be a support to, to survivors, but also, get the word out so that you don't have to become a survivor of this. You don't have to go through this. Well, and let's, and let's try to accomplish that, Rebecca. Share with our listeners uh, your advice. Having gone through this experience, what would you tell somebody if they were entering into the dating world, if they were about to get onto an app and start doing this kind of thing, what would you tell them to look out for? Well, you know, these people are very skilled in what they do. Uh, they know how to tell us a narrative and they know how to make things very, um, you know, sort of real world clean and plausible. Uh, COVID-19 is an excellent avenue for them because it's a real world situation, which already has built into it uh, the problem, the money problems and the, the facade of, oh, no, I can't see you because so, you know, you have job loss. You have, um, you know, just people's situation. I mean, it's, it's already, it's right there. It, like if anyone ever, you know, says to you, send me money because, of, you know, I can't come see you because of COVID, but I need money. Don't do it. Don't just don't do it. It, it is too perfect a real world situation uh, that, you know, it's it's both real and not real at the same time. So uh, I would say just err on the side of caution and just anyone asks you to wire money, send them money. Uh, don't do it. You're opening yourself up to to a world of uh, horror. Well, and that's what I was just going to say, you know, as as single folks out there dating, obviously you can't really forge a relationship with somebody if you're closed off. So you have to be open to a certain extent. But at the same time, you also want to protect yourself. It just, you know, I feel like it makes an already challenging job all the more difficult. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, Rebecca's loss can be our gain. We can learn from her experience. Uh, There are some tips to avoid becoming a victim. First, never give somebody money if you meet them dating. You really should live by that advice in all circles of your life. You shouldn't just give people money unless you know them really well. Uh, As far as your personal information, don't share that. Don't give your social security number. Don't give your checking account, that sort of thing. Uh, When it comes to meeting somebody, probably best to take it slow. Take your time. Get to know them. If you can't meet them in person, Use the video chat, FaceTime with them, Google Duo with them, whatever it is. At least put a face with the name, you know? And let's just use common sense. I mean, chances are there is not a Nigerian prince who is a single and out there looking for you. And when you meet the guy, whatever the scenario is, be skeptical. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But nonetheless, you got to take a chance. you got to get back out there. So I wish you all luck. 